Okay, good morning. Thank you very much to Lazy Bean for the sheer coffee and pastries and for the waiter service in the back. Today we have a number of sponsors, Brach and Shimon Einhorn, in memory of Brach's mother, Hannah Ruti Bas David, Debbie and Siggy Stein, in memory of Debbie's father, Zeb Bob Pinchas, Cheryl Michael Katz, in memory of Michael's sister, Alta Rivka Bas Dov, Chaya Mark Goldsmith, in memory of Mark's great-grandfather, Shlomo Ben Yosef. Prayer in the Parsha. It happens to be uh, today's connection to last week, Vayechi, but I could easily connect it to Shemos. You know, one of the big issues in Parsha Shemos is uh, we're starting to see the Jews uh, mixed up with Avodah Zarah. But we'll come back to that if we have a chance at the end. But I, I wanted to conclude a discussion that we started actually uh, two or three weeks ago and many questions that have come up. This goes all the way back to Parshas Vayigash when we saw Shema Yisrael Hashem Al-Kain Hashem Echad inserted, according to Chazal, into a declaration that was made by uh, Yaakov Avinu. This is before Shema is written in Sefer Devarim. But whether it's exactly the Shema, whether it's the tradition, maybe what's happening is uh, Moshe Rabbeinu is uh, taking a tefillah that already was part of the tradition. That's the way I like to see it, especially based on the Rambam that we saw last week, that Yaakov at the very end of his life, again, um, he says, Baruch Shein Kavod Machleso Liolam Va'ed, as a declaration to the whole uh, Klal Yisrael, the tribe, saying, Shema Yisrael Shana Shem Echad. So this idea of theology and uh, the unity of God is a big issue. It's a big issue in uh, Bereshus, it's a big issue in Shemot. When we talk about Paro, who may have even seen himself as an Avodah Zara, you'll see in this week's Parsha, and it's obviously been a big challenge in Jewish history. And the question that I raised, and today we'll talk a little bit about the history, is what's the Shema in the early part of uh, davening during Karbanos? What's the basic history of it being in Karbanos? And I want to show you that there's two basic tracks. These, these, it's not a machlokas. They're not mutually exclusive. A lot of this is going to depend on what's happening. So today, the first part is probably more relevant to us today. You know, as challenging it is in this country, no one's telling us not to say Shema. And we don't have uh, people who believe in two gods or the Trinity, you know, looking after us to make sure what we say in Shul. So far, Rabbi Weil spoke Shal Shudis. You know, we're not sure how, how long this is going to last. We know this is the part of Jewish history. And this week's Parsha, Vatimolia Aretz Osam, and then all of a sudden there's anti-Semitism. That's famous Nitziv. So I just wanted to review because I didn't conclude the first part and I didn't even get to the second part. So the first part is just very basic. What I write at the bottom of A is that it's in this early part of the Siddur. What I mean is during Karbanos, Shema Yisrael has nothing to do with Karbanos, but it's in there as a safety net. The Rokach pointed out that especially uh, on Yom Tov, davening would start late. Historically, Shul's actually started davening very early on Shabbos. Not like we have a nine o'clock minion in America. That's not the way it was in Europe. In Europe, they daven very early on Shabbos. And there are different reasons for it. The main reason is they wanted to follow this, at least, I'm not saying every shul, but they wanted to have more time for Talmud Torah. If you end up uh, davening at nine o'clock and you have the chazan, the Yarech HaShulchan talks about it, who likes to hear himself. I'm just quoting the Yarech HaShulchan. Then by the time you're done, you already uh, pass chatzos. Then you sit and you eat, and it's almost time for Shal Shudas. Shabbos is supposed to be a day dedicated to Talmud Torah, right? It's, it's Torah, who gets to learn during the week? On Yom Tov, where it's Chatzi Lashem and Chatzi Lachem, so you could relax a little bit more. You could even do some cooking before you come to Shul in the morning. So the Rokeach said, 
That's what happened. And, and that's basically what you find in the Shulchan Aruch and the Mishnah Burah, without giving you all the details. There was a special Shema that was put in, not to necessarily say every day, as we do say it, I think we all say at least the first line, Shema Yisrael Hashem Hashem Echad, and then you'll see in some Sedurim they have Baruch Shem, which should be there, because that Shema always goes with Baruch Shem. Some have via Hafta. I haven't seen anyone put it all three paragraphs, but sometimes the Gabbai or the Rabbi announces, if it's Man Kriya Shema is 9-10, remember to say all three parashiyas of Kriya Shema. Right, what's going on? And very often we say it, if I forgot to say it before I came to Shul, I'll say it during that insertion. And then how do you say the rest of Karbanos? That's a good question, but that never seems to bother anybody, okay? We still have the six-minute rule. So this is what the Shulchan Aruch says. If you look what's highlighted in the beginning, what does he mean by Yotze Bazet? So it's just very important. A lot of what I'm going to do is outside today. If you look in the Gemara, in Meseches Brachos, in Dafyud Gimel Amit Beis, so there's something called the Kriyashma Rabbi Yehuda Hanasi, Rabbi Yehuda Nasiya. Rabbi Yehuda held that you could just be Yotze, we have a mitzvah of Kriyashma, Beshachpov Kumecha, twice a day, at night and in the morning. At the minimum, I'm just going to give you one way to present his position. He may have held this Lechachila, but according to his position, if you only said Shema Yisrael Hashem Hakein Hashem Echad and nothing else, then you satisfy on a Daraisa level, maybe according to him, even on a rabbinic level, your requirement of Shema. We try to do all three portions of Kriya Shema. The third portion of Kriya Shema is really not there for Kriya Shema purposes. It's there for Zech Letzias Mitzrayim. But the first paragraph, Shema, V'yahavta, and then V'hayam Shema, we definitely want to say that as part of our Kriya Shema requirement. Rabbi Yehuda Hanasi didn't necessarily, didn't require more than just Shema. There's a discussion in the Gemara over there, well, what did he do? Right? Did he actually only say Shema? He didn't say Be'afta and Be'ahayim Shema. Most likely he said it as well, but as far as the obligation. So that's what the language of the tour, V'yotze B'zeh. Yotze in general means Yotze B'dievet. It's not ideal, but if you realize that it's, you know, Zman Kriyashma is 9.10, and now it's 9.09, so at least you have the safety net to say Shema Yisrael Hashem Hakeinu Hashem Echad, you say Baruch Shem Kvah Machzali Lam Ve'ed, and you've at least uh, been Mekaba Ol Malchus Shemayim. Because if you remember going back a couple of weeks, we're not only trying to satisfy Kriya Shema Bizmana, the big theme over here is we want to be Mekaba Ol Malchus Shemayim and hopefully be elevated by it as well. It's supposed to be, remember this, Dennis, it's an experiential aspect to it. Okay. The Marshal points out and he says, listen, Kishani Magia, this is Rav Shlomo Luria, cousin of the Ramah. But he's a highlighter in the first ballot hall of famer in his own right. Right, so he's saying, you know, I have the same sitter that you guys have, and this is 500 years ago. I make sure to at least get it in until avisharecha. But you're seeing again the idea of the um, shema as part of karbanos, what I'm calling the karbanos, because that's the context, even though it's nothing to do with Karbanos, it's a safety net, you know, in case you're not going to get to the end. That's what the Mishnah Brura points out. Now, the Mishnah Brura, I highlighted this week a little bit different than last week. What happens if you're in a place where you think, Yavruzman Kriyashma, four lines from the bottom, Yechavin Libo Kedin Kriyashma, then you should put into your head that right now this is regular Kriyashma. V'yechavin Latseis Bazeh HaMitzvah Saseh Kriyashma, the Mitzvah Daraisa, 
the mitzvah kavana. When it comes to kriya shema, so you should not be thinking this is part of karbanos. If you're really at the point that the zman kriya shema is about to hit, you see how far we've gone from just shema yisrael shem alkein hashem echad to v'yahavta, and the Mishnah Berurah says, and that's what we end up doing. We'll announce the zman kriya shema, and if you haven't done it. Now, why, is there, why not do this every week? You know, let's say you end up, uh, you have a tummy ache or something after Pesukei de Zimra, or your wife calls you out or something. So we should do this all the time. So we pointed out last week that Kriya Shema, all three parashas of Kriya Shema are supposed to be introduced and concluded with brachos, <coughs> the birchas Kriya Shema. So that's why we don't say, just get it over with in the beginning. You know, you wake up and you go to Ashkama Minyan, you shouldn't have in mind to be Yotze, your Kriya Shema. You understand? Because you're going to have plenty of time still. But you're still going to say it for historical purposes. At least that one line, or review to Hanasi. Now, I want to explain to you what some of the historical reasoning is. And this is very fascinating. This could be a long lecture, which somebody else should give, because I'm not an expert, especially in, a, in a Persian history. The Persians haven't always been good to the Jews. You know, uh, Rabbi Wild discusses this many times, and other great... Uh, people familiar with history, we like to think that, you know, historically, the Christians were our enemies, and now suddenly in the 20th century, not all Christians, right, but many, and now suddenly in the 20th century, and now we're in the 21st century, you know, the Christians are pretty good to us, in general, but now we got, uh, you know, who are you fighting against over there in the army, right? It's mostly against Muslims, and... Uh, but you know, 100, 200 years ago, the Muslims loved us. Every Muslim loved us. Now, that's a little bit of uh, inaccuracy. There's a guy in Israel, Martin Gilbert, not in Israel, a guy who writes a lot about history, but Martin Gilbert wrote this book in the House of Ishmael. You could go check out his book. It's pretty big. It's not, it's not like five pages. You know, it's hundreds of pages. And he goes through the, the history of, you know, there's no chidushim over here. So what's happening? You know, we had a, st a story called the Purim story, and we have many other stories, whether they were Muslims or not. But here we're going to see something very interesting. So the Seder of Amram Gon is one of the first Sedurim that we have. It's based on earlier Gaonim. So he points out this idea of saying the Kriyashma. He doesn't necessarily give us the reason yet. Lo I still have some time, right? Yeah, plenty of time. It's the bottom. I'm giving you now historical reasons slash reasons. So this idea of having Shema in the Karbonos is not just for us people who sleep a little bit late. You go back to the early Sidurim, it's in there. Seder of Amram Gon, Seder Tzfilah says the following, from my favorite Gon. Many of the Gonim we don't know about. This is my favorite one. His name was Sholem, Okay. So you have, obviously, there were three main yeshivot in, uh, in, in Bavel. That's where the Gaonim came from. But there were other yeshivas also. The whole history of, of the Gaonim needs to be analyzed in the different yeshivot. Not for now, of course. So what does he say? If you look on the top of the second page, a lot of this is going to be a little cryptic, but we're going to try to fill it in. That they would say, Shachris, on Shabbos and Yantav, and Yom Kippur, Pamayim. Pamayim b'chol yom. Say Shema Yisrael, Hashem, 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 as part of Karbanos. 
Ein minog b'yeshiva, Bavel kula, ela b'tfilas musa bilvad. In certain parts of Bavel, <coughs> the minog was only to do so during Musaf. Now, what is he talking about over here? Imagine you say, Pamayim uh, b'chol yom. What he's talking about over here, yom akipurim afkaniila. Hopefully, you're confused. So, let me explain. Outside, and then we'll go inside. When do we say Shema during Musaf? Yeah, no, that's true. That's part of the tefillah itself. But we say Shema every Shabbos during Musaf. We do. Yeah, that's the favorite time to sing, right? Shema Yisrael, Hashem, Hashem, That's every Shabbos. I don't know if I had the right Nusach over there, right? What does that really have to do with Kedusha? And then, by the way, we end with a Pasuk from Tehillim, Yimloch Hashem, Liolam, Siyom, Zavadar, Haluka, which basically is the same as Baruch Shein, Kavah, Machasol, Yolam, what he's discussing over here, and I'm going to give you some of the history below, is that there were times in Jewish history where there were restrictions on the Jews saying Shema after Baruch There were guards that came to uh, Jewish synagogues. I'm going to give, show you some proof to this from uh, historical sources. And they, had to, uh, they weren't able to say Shema the way we say it, in freedom so far here in the United States of America. Let me go on. That's a nice way, Sagi Nahar, of saying that when the Jewish people, there were different gezeros throughout Jewish history. They couldn't do the regular Kriya Shema. What would they do? You know what Bahavla means? Bahavla is like his, they snuck it in. Literally, I think it means to swallow, but they basically snuck it in during Chazar Tashatz, and everybody would say Shema Yisrael So this goes back to there was some reason a restriction. You could understand if you're living in a society where the whole culture is a religious culture that is based on not monotheism, but either uh, the Trinity or in the Zori. What's it called when you believe in two gods, right? Zori whatever the, the expression is, when you believe in two gods, what's the term? Zoroastrianism. Yeah, yeah, which is the belief in two gods, which is the Persian thing. So then the Gezerah was Batel, because we don't have that today. Wait till we go. The bottom line, what the uh, Gaonim are saying over here, is Chazal had to find different ways. The rabbis had to find different places to sneak in Shema. They would sneak it into Kedusha at times, and at other times, most likely, that's what I'm going to try to show you right now, it's not what the Gaonim is pointing out, they would also sneak it in to the Karbanos, because the Persian you know, security guards weren't showing up at the beginning of Davening. You know, they knew when Kriya Shema was going to be said. So I want to give you some sources for this, just so you understand. This is his, you know, this is very different than the first track. First track is just, it's an administrative decision. Let's put it into the sitter. This is a historical decision, but I think both of them are very much connected. So if you read over here, this is a history of the Jews from the Roman Empire to the early medieval period by Simon Dubnow, a great Jewish historian. And he talks about this. It's a little bit small. But he talks about the representatives of the ruling religion. These are the Persians. Envisioned a great threat in the agitation of the Jews. Religious disputes became more frequent. These are the polemics. And he identifies here a king 
Yezdegard, this was a Persian ruler, Yezdegard II, nothing against Yezdegard I, from 438 to 457, persecuted the Christians and the Jews. He declared, so he talks over there about what the Christians couldn't do, and then at the very bottom, look, judging by the vague chronicles, the persecution of the Jews were expressed in prohibiting them to recite publicly. You following me? This is a uh, historical work. The Prayer of Shema, the Manifesto of Religious Monism. That's what we're all about, going back to uh, Yaakov. They were forbidden to observe the Sabbath, also which especially perturbed the Persian fire worshipers. Now, if you look below, from the Encyclopedia Britannica, some of you may remember we used to have encyclopedias in the house, but now you can find them online. The kids still have ways to figure out uh, for their term papers. Yazdegar II, king of the Sasnanian dynasty, reigned 438 to 457. Talks a little bit about him. Thank God they, he didn't last too long. In the RCA sitter, the new RCA sitter, and there's also something in, in the old art scroll sitter they include the, these facts. They're a little bit different the way it's presented. But here it is, right? Leola, he gives you the sources that uh, the ninth century gone. You see that? Marsh Sar Shalom records that in the year 456 CE, the Persian king Yezdegar II forbade the observance of Shabbat as well as the Shema, an adherent of the Zoroastrian religion that proclaimed the existence of two gods. So the rabbis decided we're going to slip it into as many places as possible. Now, there has to be some logic to it. And logically, you'll look at Karbanos tomorrow. It fits in very much logically over there. Leolam Yirei Adam Beseser, which was already there. So this is an example where you have to be able to observe God even as a Murano, even in a hidden way. And then it clearly fits into the Kedusha, to the Nekadish Shemayim, with the declaration at the end, of So these are, you'll know this, God willing, forever. I myself didn't know it until preparing for this year.